Does being Filipino get you an inward pass? Coming up on the Anti-Woke Podcast. So Blocked and Reported has an interview with a guy named uh, Alberto Gulaba Jr. It's going to be something about being an author and, uh, you know, woke BS involved with that. But uh, so far, I haven't listened to the whole thing. So far, he's just kind of told his history up to college. And so he's like a Hispanic Filipino guy who grew up on a plantation, like when they still had him uh, on, in Hawaii. And I don't think he's that old. Apparently Hawaii still has plantations of some sort. I mean, obviously not slavery, but, but I guess his mom was a Filipino worker. She's a plantation worker. And then his dad was in the army. And so he grew up, he's saying like he grew up, you know, with all different races of people. The minor, or the army has a disproportionate amount of minorities. So he, so he grew up with kids of every race and he felt comfortable with them. But ultimately, so his family was poor, but he got into the University of Virginia for college. Now you may not know, but the University of Virginia, it was started by Thomas Jefferson. It's the oldest public university in America. Like it's as old as Ivy League schools. It just happens to be public, not private. Basically like, you know, on the West Coast, Berkeley and UCLA, those are the best schools that are public. On the East Coast, the best one is the University of Virginia. I mean, it is a very, very, very good school, fancy school. So he went to the school and I think the freshmen have to like live in some dorms, but then after that you go get to go find your own place. And he wasn't fitting in. He didn't, he was saying, yeah, he was saying in the army, he met all types of people, you know, as in race. But the one kind of person he never met was rich people. So he went to University of Virginia it was a little bit of a culture shock because now you're just surrounded by rich people. Like even the black people were rich. And so whatever, in his sophomore year, he had to figure out where to live. And he had a friend who was black who was going to go live in like a black uh, apartment thing. And so he went and lived with all the black kids. And he's saying there was kind of a, there was a difference. There was a difference between the minorities. Well, okay, so first off, the minorities would all hang out, you know, basically every type of person would hang out with people like them. They didn't mix. The rich white kids hung out with the rich white kids. The black kids hung out with black kids, except for this one Hispanic guy, etc. And I guess the University of Virginia is one of the things they're the most proud of is their black graduation rate. And so basically they got a bunch of different little programs for the black kids. You know, like the first thing is, you don't want to hang out with white people. You don't have to hang out with white people. You know, you want to, you want to, you want to be separate. You know, the old saying, "separate but equal." You want to be separate but equal. You can be. Yeah, you know, we'll do everything. Whatever, we'll do everything that needs to be done so that you can just stay with people like you. But I mean, he doesn't exactly go into this exactly how this works. But, anyways, it sounds like the black kids didn't do as good in the classes. And he was saying how disheartening it was that you go into a class, you're working as hard as you can, and then, yeah, and you're struggling, you know, you're, whatever, you're getting terrible grades, working absolutely as hard as you can, and sitting next to you is, he doesn't say this, but basically some, I guess, white person who is just breezing through the class. And he was saying, uh, this is his explanation, anyways, he was saying this was disheartening, and so... 
I don't know, I don't know if we'll get to what Hispanics did. He's Hispanic, but he's with the black kids. Anyways, the black kids, they would do um, drugs, alcohol, and he called it scrapping. So, you know, fighting. You know, According to him, that was their re- reaction to doing poorly in classes sometimes. So... So Jesse is doing the interview and Katie is doing is interviewing Jesse about the interview. Not that it matters. But anyway, she's like, Well, so how did he do in school? And it turns out Alberto did good. He said he kept his head down and he did well. But that his college friends uh didn't do so well. They had uh court cases and jail time. They would drop out of school and then come back. They would constantly change their majors. And then, as mentioned, legal issues. All right, this is interesting. This is like the inner workings of affirmative action. So Alberto was a political science major. He was going to be a lawyer. And he was talking to a buddy of his about the class that his buddy was taking. And his buddy, he doesn't say this, I assume his African-American friend, was taking a fiction writing class. And... In political science, every class requires 50 to 100 pages of reading per week. And he's asking, you know, his friend, uh, how much reading do you have to do in your fiction writing class? He's like, oh, we just read a couple short stories. Like, how long? He's like, oh, like 15 pages. And Alberto was like, sweet. I mean, it makes me wonder if fiction writing classes are designed for people who can't pass normal classes. Because, you know, you could do the Lord of the Rings. You could be like... I mean, if you really wanted to do a hardcore fiction writing class, you could be like, okay, for the you know first three weeks, we're going to read the first, the second, and the third book of The Lord of the Rings. You know, each one of those things is, I don't know what, four or five hundred pages. But anyways, they just do short stories. So Alberto is like, what's the catch? How much do you have to write? And the guy's like, oh, you have to write two 15-page short stories. He's like, boy, that sounds hard. He's like, no, no, it's not that hard. You know, just think of dialogue. You, you know, you could be like, you know, John says, how you doing? Then you got to, you know, go to the next line. Sally replied, fine. Go to the next line. John said, did you hear about Jane? Go to the next line. Sally says, no. Go to the next line. So Alberto, he takes a fiction class, fiction writing. He likes it. He takes more of them. The teachers are complimenting him on his writing abilities. At first, he's like, oh, they're just saying that because I'm a minority. But then after a while, I was like, you know what? I am good at this. Then he has a friend of a friend who's in film school. And it's whatever, they were, they were thinking about maybe making a movie together. And so Alberto came up with the idea for this movie. It would be called University Thugs. And that didn't go anywhere. Uh, and then he graduates. And then after college, he's like, you know what? I want to go back to college and learn more about um, fiction writing. And, you know, I don't know if he's just a phenomenal writer or it's because he's a minority or whatever, but he gets into the University of Iowa MFA writing thingabobber, and apparently that's the number one in the nation. You know, sometimes schools that ain't that good will have the best whatever program ever. So he got into the University of Iowa but his girlfriend didn't want to move to Iowa. I mean, who the hell would? So he went to UC Irvine, which is a very good school uh, in California. And when you go to school for fiction writing, you're supposed to come with a project, right? You don't just go in there and go, oh, I don't know, I'll, I'll think of a story later on. So you got, you're supposed to come in there with a project that you're going to write about, and you know, that, you know, you're going to finish by the time you 
graduate, you're with your Master of Fine Arts. You know, it's like your, it's your, uh, whatever. It's the thing after the four-year degree. It's the five, six-year degree. And so he's like, you know, maybe I'll do this university thugs thing I've been thinking about. Well, so he gets his MFA. He writes the book, University Thugs. I guess the characters are black. Well, they're black. One of them has a half Puerto Rican girlfriend who wants to get a job, a you know, a rich, a high-paying job in New York, and everyone loves her, but they only love her because she's Puerto Rican. She's like a mascot. So, you know, not, whatever, some stuff that woke people may not like. You know, taking in a Puerto Rican mascot, that's a wonderful thing. But don't ever say that they're a mascot. Alright, so he finishes the book, and he goes to sell it. And I guess this is all online, who knows, probably during COVID or something. And uh, he sends it to an agent, an agent reads it, and is like, this book is freaking awesome. Like they're talking to some rapper who wants to make, who's starting a movie production company and they're looking for like, you know, black books to make into black movies. And apparently when you get an agent, like they help you, whatever, they read your book and they send you notes and you make changes back and forth, et cetera, et cetera. You do not pay the agent. The agent only gets paid when they sell the book to like a publisher. And so, you know, how can you tell if an agent likes your book? When an agent who has, you know, a rich agent, not not some Joe Schmo, but some, you know, some agent who has sold lots of lots of uh, expensive books before, is willing to put in a whole bunch of time on your book. So you know, you know, the agent really likes it, and they know what they're doing. Anyways, long story short, the agent thought he was black. Okay, he's not Hispanic. He's he's 100% Filipino. But anyway, so the agent's like, hey, could you write a little blurb, you know, about the author that we can put into the book? And so you write, you know, in it, he mentions that he's Filipino. And the agent is like, holy crap, what? I thought you were black. I mean, basically, that's affirmative action once again, right? Like, if a black person had written this book, whatever, they would have made a movie about it. But Asians are almost as bad as white people. And I think soon they will be considered worse than white people. You know, Asian supremacy, uh... Anyways, that's a problem. It's kind of funny to me that this guy didn't, this must have been, I don't know what year this was. Like, he didn't know that an Asian person can't write a book about black people. Like, I know that stuff. But anyways, you know, I don't know if you've already thought of the answer, right? The answer is, oh, we better put a Filipino person in this book stat. Well, so writing a book and all the changes you make based on an agent is a long story. But basically, the author, he didn't really want to put a, there was no Filipinos in the book originally. And I guess he was submitting this book in 2019. And then George Floyd got murdered. And they're like, oh, this... Then they're like, hey, maybe this book could be relevant. And they're like, you got to put in a Filipino person. So he did. And then the agent is just, whatever, just... Uh, you got to do this because of race. You got to do that because of race. Race, 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 race. I don't, I don't feel like listening to this interview anymore. But I bet, you know, it's like, hey, can you have a scene where a cop kills a black man? they made a few movies after George Floyd died where it's about whatever cops being mean to black people even though the data fucking doesn't support that Uh, now I'm cussing whatever if one of my listeners is Asian and they're thinking about writing a book about black people uh, pretend you're black you will be a millionaire and if you want a job at Harvard Law School pretend you're Native American like Elizabeth Warren, etc. Fine, I'll continue the story.
So the agent is like, oh, we got another person who's going to be involved in, you know, making this book. And he doesn't say the words, but it's a sensitivity reader. So they bring in a Caribbean woman who lives in Britain, and she's black, and so she can read the book. You know, like, you know, uh, this is called uh, racial essentialism, which is that nothing about you matters other than your race. Like, you know, who understands the experience of black men at universities more? This guy who hung out with black men at a university for years, or some black lady who never, you know, is not a descendant of American slaves and doesn't live in America. So at the very end of the interview, they mentioned that the book has a whole bunch of N-words in it. I didn't even think about that. Twitter handle, at Religion of Woke, and thanks for listening.